Welcome to episode 109 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And I don't know. I don't have a segue. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> we have some news this week. Not a lot. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with uh, trailer news or do you want to start with uh, LA Hollywood uh, news? Cameron. I got it. I got it. I got it. You're, you're just so tired. Hey, you, just... you know what? You, you can take just, a break. I got you're just on the edge first. of sanity. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll I'll take lead on this one. Today, okay, Chris, don't worry oh. about it. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna go curl up in the corner there. If you hear just <clears throat> the occasional half-hearted sob, um, it's someone else. I swear. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, so we had two trailers that that seemed very similar to each other. It was almost like so, a. It's the boys and Umbrella Academy. The Umbrella Academy. Have you read either one of those? Uh, I've never heard of the boys, but the Umbrella Academy is is kind of one that's been in my peripheral for the okay. past few years because I, I remember when it first came out was was prime uh cameron emo phase wait sorry what now yeah yeah you, you heard that right um can you elaborate no <laughs> what what does your emo phase look like um that's a great question it was uh is there photographic evidence somewhere i think i i think i hid most of them on facebook mm. Uh, mm. so it's I'll, I'll i'll say this it's hard to have an emo phase when you go to a school with a uniform uh was it just a lot of guy liner no no no. it was never that never never that i'm intense. a little i'm a little disappointed i was really hoping for some yeah. like photos of you in a catholic school uniform and just so much guy liner no and like full-on pete wentz no see it, it it's one of those things where uh, do you really have an emo phase if you cared that little about your appearance? Like, I didn't look the part <laughs> to the point where I didn't know, like, how to comb my hair until, I don't know, like, freshman. No, say sophomore in high school. This is also just, what, what I find so funny because, weirdly enough, I consider you one of my actually most fashionable friends. I mean, I'm frankly not right now. You're wearing a 10-year-old Comic-Con t-shirt. Yeah, damn right I am. Um, this is my this is one of my favorite shirts. What what I love is the the discrepancy of fucks you give between when I come over here to record and when I see you anywhere else. Yes. Because you're like, I'm going to give you credit. You dress well. Thank you. Like, you dress better than I do. I keep maintaining you would still make a much better gay man than I do. I, I've been told that many times. By me and other I, people. I mean, I've been outed on another podcast. <laughs> this is true. I've been told by many of my friends that they that they introduced me to their gay friends for a purpose. <laughs> uh, and to I, some, I, that would that would maybe uh, dishearten them a little bit. I, I keep trying to get you to cross over, but you just flat out refuse. No, my mom wouldn't like that very much. No, Cindy. Uh, I mean, she'd be Let fine be. with it. She'd be fine with it because uh, she also gave me the. Not her, but my uh, one of my family members who I'll, who I'll keep silent uh, did did come up to me being like, you know, if you if you want to talk about it, you can talk about it. I'm like Jesus Christ! So I'm still scrolling through your Facebook here. I'm trying to find. I, I think I blocked most. Evo Cameron phase. I have found a whole bunch of photos of you wearing a newsboy cap. Oh yeah, that was when I did musical. From from what? I did musical. Oh, that's right. Yeah, for, yeah, sometimes yeah. I forget you were in From, musical theater. Uh, uh, Steel Pier. You were a musical kid. I was a musical um, kid. Okay, wait. So you you were familiar with the Umbrella Academy from your emo days, which is yes. something we're still going to talk about. At some yeah. Point. Well, yeah, that'll be an off-air conversation. Yeah. Because for those who don't know, I'm sure everyone knows because it's kind of big news. Um, the the lead vocalist from My Chemical Romance is the one who wrote, and I think 
partially illustrated the series. That's incredible. Yeah. Gerard Way is his name. I, yeah. I, I came across him through the amazing song, his own song, mm-hmm. um, A Hazy Shade of Winter that's in that Umbrella Academy trailer. I've been listening to it all weekend. Mm-hmm. I had no idea he was My Chemical Romance. I had no idea he wrote the damn thing. Yeah. So um, many layers of awesome. I know. It, it's weird because like, it's, kind of, it's kind of like in the Jared Leto world of like, you see these singers... And they're very good at their craft. And so you don't think they're good at anything else. Yeah. And but then like, you're oh, like, oh, you're so fucking talented. Yeah. And you're like, wait, fuck, Jared Leto is in Fight Club? Jared Leto. No, that's not, no. Singer. The guy, who's, the guy who's in Fight Club can't be the lead singer of 30 Seconds to He's Mars. He's a singer. He's an actor known for his star winning turn in Suicide Squad. That's right. Known for his really inappropriate offset antics. Mm-hmm. Because uh, then there's another. Um, known for his to be role as Morbius in the film Morbius. That's right. That no one asked for. Like, if no one asked for Venom, nobody asked for Morbius. What is what is Morbius? Morbius, the living vampire, is a Spider-Man villain that oh, they're doing a spin-off okay, movie okay, okay. about. Once again, I'm sure sans Spider-Man. Because mm-hmm. Sony somehow made a box office success out of Venom. And so they are going to double down on never learning their lesson. Yes. Um, I thought you were talking about there's a, a um, French very famous French comic artist named Mobius, who I thought that's who you were talking oh, about. Oh, right. Um, yes, I see his. Oh, right. The World yeah. of Adina. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. We have. Did you see? Wait, what, is he? He has anything to do with the Mobius strip, does he? No. It's like a, isn't that a, like a mobile? Sort of uh, no, the Mobius strip is, Mobius is, a, strip. is a single plane, uh, is a property with a single face. Um, oh, it's like Escher-esque. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so if, if you draw a line... Uh, from one point and you just continue drawing a straight line, it will uh, cover both sides but still connect at the same spot. If I, made, if I, if I turn my, if I made a Mobius strip now by in turning one corner of this uh, rubber band? No, because it, it can't, it can't be a, like a vertical twist like that. You have to, it's a, it's a, usually it's a I sheet of paper. I have to separate it. Yes, it's a sheet of paper. You twist one end and then connect them back together. All right, I refuse to cut Mobius this rubber band. That's all right. Okay. I wear a rubber band every day, and I don't know why. Because you, you've never left your, your 2000s face. <laughs> Harsh, but true. Yeah. So very, Early very 2000s. true. 2000s. Occasionally, it comes in handy. Like, every once in a while, I'll go to... You have to shoot uh, someone. <laughs> I'll have to, like, just shoot someone in the eye with a rubber band. But other times, I will have cut a lemon in half to make myself a nice uh, oregano oil shooter to fight off bacteria. Yeah. It's disgusting, but very, very effective. Actually reminds me of the one today. And then I have all of a sudden this other half of a lemon and like, what do I do with it? Oh, I know I grab a paper towel. I wet it. And then I put the lemon inside the wet paper towel. And then like, Oh my God, guess what? I have a rubber band on my wrist. I'm at work. I wouldn't have one. Otherwise let's just tie this off here. Throw it in the fridge. Good to go. There you go. Yeah. Look at you. Also, it's, the year, 2000, it's the year 2002. Yes. Um, so umbrella Academy, there's another, uh, there's another, band that also had a comic series uh Coheed and Cambria mm-hmm. if do you know them yeah which i know i'm trying to remember, didn't they do the dun 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 song with like the 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 um woman in the the green very very short marching band uniform playing the saxophone wasn't that Coheed and Cambria i don't think so is that somebody else who's I, that is, are you thinking of like an electric sound cuz th- this is like a like an alternative rock band I'm probably not thinking of the same people then. Because all their music videos uh, were their comic panels brought to life, which I think is fucking awesome. Why, why do I know them then? Mm. Uh, they, they had mild success in the, the late 2000s. Uh, What's their I think, most popular song? Um, they have a few. I, I would say Welcome Home is a big one of theirs. Um, 
There's one other. I think they were on like a either rock band or Guitar Hero. I, like, I must know them from somewhere. I feel like yeah. they were in my playlist. At the, some suffer, point. the suffering is their most famous song. The suffering. Bing, 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 bing. Um, what? Yeah, so so Why all their music videos are, are based off of the the lead singer of Code and Cambria also had his own comic series called The Armory Wars, uh, and I got to meet this man at Comic Con one year. Uh, this was like when I was peak fan of Code and Cambria. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in the early two thousands. Yes, also early two thousands. Uh, uh, I forgot to start the timer. God damn it. That's fine. Uh, and I for, for some reason he was at his booth and just no one was there because you know no one cares about comics anymore. Comic Con. Well, also. People probably just didn't know who that was. That's true. Well, he 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 has a very distinct look. Yeah, but I don't necessarily know what musicians look like. That's true. Yeah. Um, and he's you know he's in like the thousand and below section, so not many people are over there anyway. Oh yeah, they know. They're, they're also, not expecting anyone like noteworthy to be over in that section. Yeah, because that's I also met the um, the guy who wrote Aragon that trilogy. Oh, what's uh, his Lord of the Rings, Light. Yes. Um. Yeah, I, I met him. My it was my roommate's first Christopher Paolini. Yes. Yeah, I met him two years in a row. Yeah. That was another one. He was just at one of the book booths. Um, my roommate recognized him, and he, they had like a twenty minute conversation. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, but uh, Cohen Cameron also has the Armory Wars. Sorry, Umbrella Academy is what we're talking about. I've never actually read it. It's always kind of been in my peripheral. Uh, I'm very excited for the show. It, it kind of looks it looked like, really good. Yeah, it, it looked like one what I wanted. Um, fuck, what was that movie from 2000, like 2010, where it was the the girls? I think it was a Zack Snyder movie, Sucker Punch. Yeah, it's like what I, it's oh. like what I wanted Sucker there's, Punch to be. There's some interesting stuff going on in Sucker Punch, mm-hmm. but. The problem is, is it was made by Zack Snyder. Yes. Yeah. So it looks great. Like the man can make any movie that will have an awesome trailer. Mm-hmm. Just don't see the he, movie. He is. Yeah. He's the trailer king. Exactly. He can get you hyped for anything. Yeah. Um, well, not anymore. He can't. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks like what I wanted Sucker Punch to be, but it's also kind of what I want uh, the Watchmen series to be like. Like it, it, it kind of has that tone. Oh, of like okay. The new, dark, yeah, yeah, the new yeah, series. the upcoming one. Yeah. The HBO series. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because it's set like after Watchmen. Yeah. And I think I think Jason Isaacs is playing an older Ozymandias, which is kind of cool. Okay. I don't know. But yeah, I have to admit, the Umbrella Academy, it's a, it's a fun trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ellen Page is kind of the only kind of name. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I think name so. Name recognition? Recognizable name. Yes. There, there we go. go. That one. In there, I didn't uh, really know anybody check. else, but it, it looked uh, fun because I was more excited about that than I was for The Boys, which has a more well-known cast. I think the plot of The Boys, it's like they are a group of heroes that were trained to kill superheroes, mm-hmm. and then I think they're unleashed to go do so. I mean, Carl Urban's in it. I do love me some Carl Urban. Yeah. Um, and I know one of the characters was based on Simon Pegg, but I don't, was Simon Pegg in the trailer? I don't remember. I don't think so. Who knows? I don't know. They both look kind of fun, though. I mean, I'm yeah. more likely to watch The Umbrella Academy than I am. It's another boys. one of those where it's like unintentional parallels. Yeah. Or uh, it's a, what is it called? Uh, not horizontal thinking, but something similar to that. Parallel thinking? Is it parallel thinking? I think it's parallel thinking. Okay. It's kind of like how Deep Impact and Armageddon came out at the same time. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or White okay. House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Mm-hmm. Or... 
I'm waiting for you to name the right one so I can call you out on it. I was going to say Air Bud, but there was no other movies like Air Bud. <laughs> Air Bud and Air Bud 2. Yeah. <laughs> Air Bud and Air Spud. Oh, uh, MVP, Most Valuable Chimp. Oh, okay, there we go. See, it all comes together. <laughs> but no, that, that, was a, that was a ripoff, not a, not a parallel thinking. Wait, that was, wait, Most Valuable Chimp was a ripoff of Air Bud? Yes. I feel like there were other ones, right? Yeah, do you not know the story of the great most valuable chimp? I can't the 1999 say. classic. I can't say that I do, but I'm about to. I think He's, it's a chimp that plays hockey, which seems a lot more like plausible than a dog playing basketball, right? I don't know. I mean, can does a monkey have the motor skills to roller the, the, to ice skate? D- does I also he have ask myself that like when the I'm muscle to definition to try and like push himself across an ice rink at speed? Or to actually hit a puck with any sort of real power behind it? That's a good question. I don't think they do. Like, the thing is, a dog, I could totally see a dog bouncing a ball off his nose. Like, yeah. Air Bud. Well, yeah, absurd, yeah, dogs do that. Absurd yeah. that it is, as, like, at least grounded in some sort of physicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, oh, that's, that's I mean, it makes more it. sense than goddamn Air Bud 2 Golden Receiver. Yeah. Hey, dogs catch things in their mouth. Yeah, no, they catch things in their mouth, but, like... He can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. What didn't he? Didn't he kick the ball at one point too? I don't remember. I feel uh, like it's in the movie once. No, was he even the same well, kid. Was, uh, I think it was a different kid, same dog. But no, they. they he went oh, through I doubt all it was the same dog. I bet that dog was dead. <laughs> no, no, no. They came out pretty close to, uh, pretty close together. No, I, I want to say so that there was air. Oh god, that's about the series. There it is. So there was. Uh, oh my god! There's this a lot just of these. Keeps going. Yes, there's. 14 of these movies. Jesus Christ. Uh, so Air Bud, where he plays basketball. Golden Receiver, where he plays football. World Pup, where he plays soccer. Seventh Inning Fetch, where he plays baseball. Uh, Spikes Back, where he plays volleyball. And then it goes to the kids, Air Buddies. I mean, the volleyball is thing the is puppies. just a rehash of basketball at that point. It's the same maneuver. Yes. Um, and then by the time we get to Buddies, wasn't it? Oh, no, no. Hold on. Because they go into space. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, so Air Buddies I cannot wait for when Fast and the Furious finally makes it into space It's like Fast and the Furious is going to make it into space Mission Impossible is going to go to space Oh yeah, they're going to meet there too And in the background you're just going to see like A capsule full of golden retriever puppies mm-hmm. Because no matter what, Air Bud did it first Oh my god, hold on uh, Super Air Buddies. Bud is the Simpsons of never-ending franchises 2013 was the last one So sad that it's been a while Super buddies, after acquiring rings that grant them superpowers. Where do they put the rings? <laughs> How do they the wear the rings? Must use them to on their stop paws? The villain. Yeah. Shouldn't they be like magical collars, hold not on, rings? Hold on, let's, hold on, listen to these. Treasure Buddies 2012. Buddies find themselves in Indiana Jones style adventure. God damn it. Uh, spooky Buddies, where it's Halloween. Santa Buddies, uh, where I feel like, okay, the buddies team up with Santa Paws. To end the melting of a magical icicle threatening Christmas Eve. Uh, okay, so there have been 14 Air, Air Buddy movies. Yes. Cumulatively, how many Golden Retrievers do you think they've gone through? Um, let's see. They, they have it here. So. Oh, uh, my God. So Air Bud 2, 3, and 4, it's the same Golden Retriever. I told you it wasn't the same Golden Retriever from 1 to 2. You're right. They couldn't afford him. After the yeah, that's one. true. He was living large. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, I guess that, that was it. Yeah. Fuck. Is this you? What? I'm still looking at your old Facebook photos. Right. That is me. Me and pick boy. Who's pick boy. You don't know pick boy. Who's Jesus. What's pick boy <laughs> on Nickelodeon back in the day. Well, this explains why I don't know it. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, uh, 
so I think he started on Slime Time Live, where Pick Boy was just kind of like the crazy side host. Um, was he known for picking things? Yeah, like he would pick what was coming up his next. Superpower in the rotation. was being able to pick everything perfectly. Does that include like his nose? I don't know. Did they do a bit about that? Well, there was the giant nose. It was always part of the the Nick Gas. Uh, games. Wait, like the one you from like Double Dare or whatever? Yeah. Where you had to go and pull the um, mm-hmm. pull the flag out of the nose. Yeah, that's right. I was about to say the pizza slice, but that's a different thing. I mean, it was an orange flag. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really padding this episode because these two episodes are nonsense. Oh, none of this is intentional. Yeah, <laughs> none um, of this is planned at all. <clears throat> oh, the giant nose. Yeah, yeah. That, that I also got to pick because uh, it was at Comic Con three years ago. Oh my god, that's right! Mm-hmm. You're like Pick Boy Light. I mean, it was my dream to be Pick Boy. There, there was a point where they were hiring because I, I talked to people at the Nick booth. I, I always try and befriend the Nick booth people first when I go to Comic Con because they're, you know, they're the best people to meet. Because you're clever. Yes, I mean they're they're the ones that gave me these beautiful two posters on my wall here. No, I actually was looking at these posters the other day. Yes, they, they are. It's the the Avatar cat, Avatar: The Last Airbender cast, and Korra. Cast. Now, the old guy with the goatee on the right of Korra is that the the Airbender from the first series? Is that an older version of him? Oh, what's his name, Chris? Uh, Ang. Yes, and no, well, it's not. It's oh. Tenzin. Tenzin what? is the son of Ang. Oh, okay, I was gonna say he looks just like him, and he's even got the thingy on his head. Yes, the arrow, the the mark of the of the Airbender. Sure, whatever it's called. Yes. Oh, okay. And he's it's like, like the same color tattoos. Yes, yes, because he he follows the life of the traditional Airbender. That's a whole plot. That's the whole subplot of season three, where new where no, new we're good. Air- nope, okay, nope, okay. we're good. <laughs> Um, this is not the Hairbender podcast. <laughs> yes. This is the Do You Remember This Thing from the 1990s Nickelodeon run podcast. Not even 90s. Avatar started in 2003, Chris. <laughs> I, I give up. Korra started in 2011. Give up. Yeah. Done. 10, 11, 11. I'm going to let you take this from here. That's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, so Pick Boy. Yeah, they, they were. I talked to people at the Nick booth and they were thinking about reviving Pick Boy and having someone new play him. Uh, and I'm like, will you please consider me? Did you audition? I did not, because they did not end up bringing back Pick Boy. Oh, hey, you met Adam, what's his name, from uh, Workaholics? Adam Devine. Yeah, I met I met all three of them. Uh, oh, and Tara Strong, do you realize the mass majority of your photos on Facebook are you at Comic-Con? Yes, I do. Okay. That's that's not, you know, not unintentional. Okay, no, I'm just explaining your own life to you. Yes. But continue. Uh, yeah, the Workaholics guys... I went to, me and my roommate went to their panel, uh, and it was, it was the Wizards panel. So if you don't know the, the story of Workaholics, before they were uh, on Comedy Central, they had a YouTube series, uh, or a YouTube channel, and kind of the side project of theirs was they were making a rap group where they were all wizards, and they were calling themselves the Wizards. Love it. And so they did a performance at Comic-Con. My roommate and I loved it. We're walking back to our hotel, and we see the three guys walking across the street, and we yell, like, it's the Wizards. We love you guys. And they come up. They run over to us. And they're like, hey, we're going to this bar. We'll get you guys some shots. And we're, I think we're 17. No, we're, we're 18, because that was, that was uh, Ian's first Comic-Con. But we couldn't drink still. <laughs> and so it was very hard for us to say that, that we could not go drink with the, the Workaholics guys. And you've never recovered. And I've never recovered. <clears throat> That's why I don't drink. It's because I'm just waiting to see them again for them to buy me my first shot. 
Because they're, I mean, I've heard stories from them or from, from people who have like been to bars with them. And at Comic-Con, basically they just bar hop and just buy everyone's drinks for the night. That's epic. Yeah. Could have been you. It could have been me. If only I had a fake that year. Oh, God. I know. So I missed, I, I used to like be with, like in the, like I used to happenstance be in the cool part of Comic-Con before I could drink because I got invited to go out with them. I got invited to the, the True Blood party one year. What? Yeah. How? Uh, my One of the girls that was staying with us, who was a booth babe, which is not a derogatory term. That's what they call themselves. That's what they actually call themselves, yeah. yes. Um, she got invited, and uh, the guy said she could bring us, but we were, I think that was when we were 19. We still couldn't go. <laughs> uh, and what was really heartbreaking was the hotel we were staying at was the Marriott right next to the party. Yeah. So it's at the base of our hotel. So we can see the party from our room. And, like, uh, the girl with us, Sarah, went. And so we were texting her while she was at the party, just, like, being the eye in the sky of, like, oh, there's someone at the end of the bar. Uh, go talk to them. I think this is maybe the most you thing you have ever described, which is you not going <laughs> to the cool kids party, but watching it from a distance and texting someone to have them do it so you can live vicariously through them. Yes, exactly. Oh I, we God. tried to go down. This we we tried to go down, and the the bouncer, like we knew the bouncer at that point, because it's the only bouncer I've ever known. And he's like, I, I bring me any ID. It doesn't have to be you. Just bring me something that says someone here is over twenty one. Yeah, and I'll let you in. But we didn't have that. Also, hang on, Cameron. Yeah. Hang on. I'm looking through your Facebook photos. I don't see a single photo of me in here anywhere. That's yeah. Is there a problem? You you heartless bastard. I haven't posted to Facebook in like. Two years. Yeah, but I've we have been friends for almost three. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that doesn't line up, does it? No. <laughs> and also, there's a photo here from like a week ago. Yeah, but I didn't post it. All right, I'm let's gonna, get back. I'm gonna go back to my corner and keep crying. Now. That's fine. Let's get now back I have back. a real reason. Uh, so we had Oscar noms also come out this week. Yes, um, with. A historic nomination. Yes. The Dark Knight came back and got a nomination. <laughs> they finally nominated it <laughs> 10 years down the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Black Panther nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, I think this is a good thing. It is the Academy acknowledging that mainstream movies that hit a cultural touchstone are worthy of recognition for those exact efforts. Yes. That being said, do you actually think this is one of the best movies released this year, last year? No. No, I agree with you. I think, um, if anything, I think Spider-Verse should have had the nomination. I think, yeah, I actually think it's a better film that also has the stigma going against it of being animated. But let's be honest, it's going to get the best animated feature. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you don't think Incredibles 2 is going to get it, right? No. No. Also, I thought I would never be in a world where I would be rooting against the Incredibles Same. 2 for best picture. Same. For best like, I'm never feature, one to root but, against Disney. Yeah, but I'm sorry. Spider-Verse is just superior. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think I ranked Incredibles 2 higher than Spider-Verse. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. does not matter. Um, but yeah, I don't... I mean, look, this is... I guess, in, in essence, getting the nomination was the win for Black Panther because it's not going to win best picture. Right. Um... But I mean, it's still yeah, big. Yeah, go to Vice for sure. <laughs> Vice, um, that, that's that's the movie for white people. It's like remember all the shit we did and we got away with it. And that the no, good I mean, it's not it, of of the movies nominated. It is not the movie for white people. I'm that's, not gonna, that's, I, I'm not gonna say anymore. Um, 
But look, I mean, I think this is a good thing. I think it it's mm, it feels kind of like a gimme a little bit. Kind of like yeah, like, it's, it, it's like they're throwing him a bone a little bit. And it's, it's weird because I feel like there's more outrage that it was nominated now from now, who fans of Dark Knight. Oh, but okay, but hang on. Calm down, fucking Dark Knight fans. One, one, the Dark Knight is... More of the other nominations. Not a good Batman movie. Gonna fucking stick to that claim. And two, it's actually very flawed, but in and of itself, it is a very entertaining, well, you, modern you're crime also, thriller. Well, you, you also stand on that, on that island of it's not as great as everyone says it is. It's not. It's absolutely not. Plus, it's just it's not a good Batman movie. I'm not gonna get into it. I've done that before. Oh, Juno was nominated that year. Okay. That's interesting. Look, it's because of the Dark Knight... Mm-hmm. And Wally, that we now have an expanded Best Picture category. Yes. Because those are two movies that everyone was saying should have been nominated for Best Picture and weren't. And so the concession was, okay, the Academy decided to open up to make it up to 10, which is still weird. Mm-hmm. It is still weird that it's up to 10. I'm not actually sure how up they decide. Up to 10 and how they, they still don't fill 10. Well, yeah, I'm not even sure how they decide how to fill that. I don't know if the, a movie has to receive a certain threshold of nominations mm-hmm. or, or votes to be considered nominated for Best Picture. Well, yeah, because Best Picture is the only weird one because um, aren't the other ones mainly voted on by... Um, yeah, I actually read a really interesting article about this. Um, uh, by, by the people in there. So like, um, so the, the way it works is that... Uh, yeah, you, you explain it. The, the, the guilds with... Again, this is my understanding of how this works. Don't yes. quote me. But the guilds, as it were, within the academy vote for their respective categories. So costumers, costume designers vote for costume design. Yes. Um, I think it's only the acting category, like actors who vote for acting, mm-hmm. directors, so forth, so, so, so forth. If I remember correctly, they vote for the nominees, not they, the winner. They, yes, they vote for the nominees. And yes. then... But I think Best Picture is the one where everyone mm-hmm. nominates, votes to nominate. And then when it comes to actual voting to win, everybody everyone does votes. it. But yes. now the other weird thing, too, and I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but we're going to keep going with it. The other weird thing, too, is that um, in all categories except for acting on the ballot, it doesn't list the person. It just lists the movie. Right. So the classic example, classic example, is... Roger Deakins, who is an amazing cinematographer, and to my understanding, has still not fucking won an Oscar. Unless he won last year. He may have won last year. I forget. But he was nominated for Best Cinematography for Skyfall, which I think is a deserved nomination because that movie is goddamn gorgeous. I'm looking at you, Jellyfight. He did win last year. Jellyfish. Oh, what did he win for? But, oh, mm-hmm. deserved. Yes. Okay, so he's he was... nominated. Holy shit. He's been nominated One, two, so three, many four, times. Five, took him forever six, to win. But seven, eight, So the ballot would just say Best Cinematography, Skyfall. 14 nominations. 14 nominations, right. It's just Skyfall. So anyone who doesn't know there's Roger Deakins, and they might know him, be like, oh, Roger Deakins is incredible. He does such good work. They're just going to go, why the fuck would I be nom- like voting for James Bond to win Best Cinematography? So one way of looking at it is, is it, I guess, it's supposed to curtail bias? But at the same time, it neglects to acknowledge the person, which matters a lot in these sort of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. fuck it, so whatever. Just to read off for a quick second, his nominations have been for Shawshank Redemption, Fargo, uh, Kundun, I don't know that one. A Brother mm. Where Art Thou, No Country for Old Men, The Assassination of Jesse James, My The Reader, True God. Grit, Skyfall, Skyfall, Prisoners, Skyfall. Unbroken, Sicario, the final one for Blade Runner, 2049. I mean, he is one of the best in the business. Mm-hmm. And much deserved. Clearly. I mean, just look at the yeah. movies he's worked on. You just kept losing out to Chivo. But Chivo is also incredible, so. 
you know, Emmanuel Lebeski, a.k.a. Chivo. I call him Chivo because we're buds. Oh, I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> we're not buds. Is, I've, did, ne- didn't he win, I've never the, met him. Another person that won like three years in a row? He won three years in a row. Okay. Yeah, he won. It was um, Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. He won three That's years right. in a row. That's right. And Birdman yeah. was amazing. Birdman's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, <laughs> well, it's the, it's the third Batman movie we never got. Exactly. Gravity. Oh, I never saw Gravity. You didn't? No. I don't know if it's worth watching now. That's what I've heard. That's like, why I haven't watched it. When I saw it, I saw it in 3D IMAX. Oh, no, just 3D in theaters. And you know me, I hate 3D. Mm-hmm. I despise 3D. I refuse to see movies in 3D. Yes. That is one of the exceptions. That is one of the best experiences I had seeing a movie was that movie mm-hmm. in 3D in theaters. It's fucking breathtaking. I, I, have, I have one more quick tangent to go on because the movie, a movie yes, I saw this the weekend. the only other tangent we're going to have this episode. Yes. Um, one more temporary tangent. Uh there's a thing that filmed, and I don't know if it's if I'm just sitting too close to the theater, and that's why I get a headache. I don't think it is. I think it's it's a problem from the, from the filmmakers. Okay. But it's when they it's it's a full CGI scene. It's a close up scene. So I, I went to re- uh, regrettably see the kid who would be king over the weekend. You did that to yourself. I did. Um, <clears throat> and they had multiple shots of this of this style, which drive me nuts. Where it's a fast camera move on a close up just like texture uh and there's like a slight rotation while they're doing it and it gives me the worst headache like 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 is it like for example is it like a camera pointed at the ground and it's moving super fast and it's like cgi grass or i don't yeah so it's it's like the camera is going so basically the way they told the story is is uh morgana the fray the fay is is basically in like trapped in the earth Okay. And so the camera zooms through the ground, oh. and it's like the zoom through the layers of the earth. Oh, um, okay. That like like super close up of just texture mm. and grit. And well, probably because you know the texture is fake. Well, it's not that it's fake. It's just it's moving too fast. Okay. For how big the screen is. Oh, okay. Where it's like your whole peripheral is just moving. Yeah. And it it like because uh, I want to say Ragnarok did it for a second. Um, oh, yeah, maybe where it was like an overhead the, shot that was just rotating. Oh, okay. Uh, it was at the beginning of the movie. And I remember like the first time I saw the movie, it gave me a real like a piercing headache for a second. Oh, interesting. But this movie does it for like a full minute. Oh, God, no. No, no, um, no, 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 no. And I, it just like, I, I had to just close my eyes for parts of the movie because I couldn't look at the screen. Also, it was just that bad. It was also, yeah, I, I, I honestly, the movie ended at, like an hour 40 and there was 30 more minutes of movie. I've wait, I feel like there was like, another movie that fuck. came out this... Oh, Lego Movie 2 came out this weekend. You didn't go there see was, that? There was a sneak peek last night. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it, it was just for Saturday. Oh, okay. Uh, and no, I, I locked myself in my apartment for the weekend. Kind of jealous. Um, I just thought I had a fun weekend. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you went to Disney. Fuck you. I did. I spent all weekend at Disney with my parents. It was super fun. Yeah. We're um, here to talk about that. No. We're here to talk about Batman. Wait, I have one or more piece other news. I have one more <laughs> last piece of news, which we're actually not going to talk about. We're just going to acknowledge that it's a thing. But okay. uh, we now live in a world where Aquaman is the highest grossing DC film of all time. That's right, it is. So. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Good on you, Jason. Well, there was a, there was a uh, Twitter post that I saw that I'm sure has gone viral at this point. But it's like, it said, um, Someone looked at Jason Momoa and said, I want you in a movie where you're wet 90% of the time. And that's what we got. You know, I understand that mm-hmm. being a Jason Momoa fan, especially when he's wearing less. Yeah. Um, but he, he usually has, he had a shirt on for most of that He had movie, a shirt on through a lot of, also, which is kind of surprising for, for a lot of fans. For whatever reason, didn't work for me this time. Okay. 
weirdly enough, worked for me in Justice League. He's like walking out into the like the Arctic water, no shirt on, and he's mm-hmm. just having a good old natter with Bruce Wayne. Totally does it for me. This movie didn't do it. I think I think you're more attracted to to Bruce Wayne. That is, I think that's the thing. That is absolutely not true. <laughs> absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. See if I've ever been attracted to any of the Bruce Waynes. Mm-hmm. Mm, Val Kilmer. Anywho, all right. So uh, <laughs> we got we got two episodes this week. <laughs> to. Uh, Two very interesting episodes. These are both terrible. Yeah. I mean, the second one I enjoyed just because it was just like a like a, re- a nerd reference galore. Of course you did. Um, um, so, but the- I, always, I always love depictions of like the, the super nerd in media. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to see. So I, I, it gives me something to like strive for. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to go into these two episodes, then I have a whole discussion I want to have at the end. All right. Because there's, there's a theme across two of them, but I think we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. But the first episode is called April Moon. Yes. Oh, that's real force. Apparently, it's a real song from like 2000, and they refer to it as like that old song, April Moon. I don't even know what song that is. Which is funny because they, in the next episode, they have a very relevant Star Wars joke. I know. It, uh, which would have been they, 40 years old at that point. They're very inconsistent with what they decide is going to be relevant and not relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but so, in the first episode, Terry, as Batman, to clarify, comes across four robbers, four bank robbers, literally who all have um, mechanical appendages. They're all cyborgs. So one guy who goes by Bullwhip has kind of, you know who Mega Red is from the X-Men? I, no. He's part of, he's part of um, like the Weapon X program, but he he wears a red suit. He's got a white face, blonde ponytail. He's very 90s. Yes, yes. I do know exactly what you're talking about. White metal whips that Mm -hmm. he like shoots out of his hands. Yep, yep, yep. Bullwhip has that. Yeah, just say uh, X-Force. Yes, I totally X- know who yeah, this yeah. is. Um, another guy has retractable saw blades built into his uh, forearms and shins because mm-hmm. he had both of the, all four of them replaced. Another guy has like an exosuit, juggernaut-esque exosuit that comes yes. around him. And then the last guy has, I don't know what he would have had replaced or maybe they just augmented a normal person. But he basically has this big metal thing on his back that deploys into two... I think either, either massive gloves or just like rods. It varies from shot to shot. I, I think I think they're gauntlets, and I think it's like shoulder replacements. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because like it, they're like are mounted. The it, they collect on his back, and they come up over his shoulders onto the rest of his arms. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were. I don't know. Funny enough, there's an anime that has that as a plot. Of course, it does. It's called Megaloblox. That's great. We're gonna continue. Um, <laughs> great show. Great soundtrack. So these guys are robbing the bank. Also, the music in this episode is very, very weird. It kind of reminded me of a bullet for Bullock. Which okay. That was the, the kind of noir-esque episode where someone's out to kill Bullock and we eventually realize it's his landlord because he hates him so much. Yes. But I remember both of us not liking the music in that, but that was actually an episode that was nominated for a Daytime Emmy for its music score, weirdly enough. I felt like this was weirdly like that at times. And there are even points when I felt like it got borderline 1960s campy level. Okay. It just felt a little bit anachronistic. I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't pay enough attention to this score. I liked the score of the second episode. A yeah, lot. there's some good stuff in there. But yeah, this one's kind of weird. Um, also, the so there, there's a doctor who his wife is being held by these guys, and that's why he's building these things. Because he actually he's he specializes in really high tech servos. I guess he built the servos that Bruce used inside the bat suit. Yes. Um, which I think is interesting because either his technology has gotten worse or 
He's Bruce plateaued. did a shitload of work because like the servos we see coming get left behind out of one of these robbers is massive. Mm-hmm. And the ones in the bat suit would be minuscule, super, super tiny. I guess it's Bruce probably taking the technology and running with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also one of those where like I usually let it go, but it's one of those where like Bruce had to ask for this. Like he had to go to this doctor and be like, my body's fine but I need your technology. I mean, I guess he could have just acquired it through Wayne tech. I guess that's true. Yeah. But no, but this is one where he doesn't, cause usually he says that of like, Oh, this is a former Wayne tech person. But, and this is the first time he didn't say that. There's a difference though, between being part of Wayne tech and having your technology bought by Wayne. Tech. Okay. Yes, like he could true. have bought samples of it through Wayne tech and never did anything with it. I don't know who knows how he hides his paper trails. That's Alfred true. used to do all that work for him. Exactly. Uh, um, but I did love that the doctor was voiced by good old Ed Begley Jr. That's a name that you've said before. He does, he does a lot it. of voiceover stuff. Did you ever watch Arrested Development? Uh, I did not. Did you ever see The Page Master? I did not. Wait, 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 wait. And once again, wait. You've never seen The Page Master. I don't think so. Mr. I love everything that has to do with live action animation crossover. And you never mm-hmm. saw the Page Master. There's a lot of live action animation movies I haven't seen yet. Macaulay okay. Culkin, he's a kid. He's Macaulay afraid Culkin. of things. He goes to return his books. Christopher Lloyd mm-hmm. gives him like a magic book thing that draws him inside the books. He goes inside Treasure Island and a Jekyll and Hyde. How? Oh, I'm gonna watch this. How tonight. have you not seen this? This is all of your wheelhouses in one. Film. Patrick Stewart's in it. Yes. Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Yes. Leonard Nimoy's in it. Yes. Wow. For fuck's sake, Cameron. Am I bad? I'm mildly tempted to make you just stop and go watch I'm it right now. I'm going to watch it tonight. Okay, like, this good. is exciting. We... I'm excited to have a movie. Okay, good. Oh, Phil Hartman's in it. Oh, that's oh. right. Wait, who does he voice? Is he the voice of... Um, I was going through. Uh, Tom Morgan. Jim Cunningham is in it. Of course he is. Uh, BJ Ward. Why is that a name that I recognize? It's not important. We'll it's it's a great story. film. It's yeah. a great film. But Ed Begley Jr. plays the dad in that. Okay. Look him up. You'll see him in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, love that he's in there. He, he, he does a really good job with that sort of... He always sounds intellectual, but he also can sound really mopey, too. Like, mm-hmm. mopey and kind of sad. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, we, we eventually start to learn that the doctor is doing this because they've kidnapped his wife. And his wife was his new nurse... After, like, two weeks, he decides he's going to propose to her. Yeah. Typical story. Typical yeah. rich man story. Her name is April, and mm-hmm. I guess because once they took a photo of her in front of the moon, they always referenced the song April Moon. Well, they, he said that that was their song. Yeah, but, like, mm-hmm. but like really. I mean, couples have songs. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's a little forced. Yes, I'm is. assuming one of the writers listened to that song and was like, hey, this is a great idea for a title. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I kept wanting to call it April Showers because of Bambi. <laughs> that's also just a phrase. April Showers bring May flowers. Yes, but it's also a song from Bambi. Right? I've never seen Bambi. I don't know. Wow. 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 Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. And one more hold on. <laughs> You haven't seen the Disney classic Bambi? I think there's a lot of people. It's that, only 60 minutes, Chris. I think there's a lot of people that never saw Bambi because they just knew that it was super sad in the beginning because the mom dies. Yeah, and it, it doesn't get any happier. Like, people. No, it's a depressing fucking film. Yeah. Also, okay, 
another question for you because I was just at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And we went on the Pinocchio ride, Pinocchio's Daring Journey. Yes. Took us three times to ride it because the thing kept breaking down. Great the ride. thing is old as fuck. Yeah. Now, it's one of the originals. Now, I haven't seen Pinocchio in a long time. I have seen it, but it's been a while. Yes. Is that movie as dark and depressing as horrific as that ride makes it seem? Yes. Okay. The movie is three shorts because that, that's what you did back in the day. Um, is it? Yes. But isn't Pinocchio a through line through all of it? Yeah, it's the same main character. Yeah. But there's basically three mini story arcs that happen. Oh, okay. So the first one is he uh, uh, disobeys Geppetto and leaves. The he meets Honest John. Um, and he goes on one adventure where he like goes to school or tries to go to school. Is that when he becomes a donkey? No, that's the, that's the second part. Okay. So then that fails. So he goes back to Honest John Um. And then he's like, hey, come to this, come to this party thing. And that's when he goes to the, like, the island of, of Lost Boys. Um, I know. Yeah, I saw that smirk. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, I just, I, we're not going to get into it, but I just read the Atlantic article about Brian Singer. Oh, yeah. And everything you're describing sounds very similar to that. And uh, Okay. Uh, so that's where all the, like, the miscreants and the, the, the hooligans are. And that's yeah. where they uh, all get drunk and they're smoking. Um, that's when they turn into donkeys? That's when they turn into donkeys. Okay. Because at one point in the ride, there's just a whole bunch of children who have been transformed into donkeys, like, crying in cages. Yes. What is Uh, this? Yes. So that that happens. What is this horror? And then Pinocchio escapes the island on a raft, which is eaten by Monstro. Yes, the whale. Yes. And and you find out that Geppetto had already been eaten by the whale. Geppetto's also inside the whale? I'm pretty sure. Did Geppetto go looking for him and that's how he yes, got eaten? Yes, that's oh, what it was. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they start a fire in his mouth, which that's makes him uh, right. blow through his blowhole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are all happy and they make it back to Geppetto's hut. House, not hut. Yeah. House. Uh, he lives blue- well for a puppet tier, it yeah. seems like, a puppet mm-hmm. maker. Uh, and, and that's when the blue fairy is there uh, and grants Jiminy whatever wish he wished for. Uh, and makes Pinocchio a real boy. So, because I knew that it ended with him becoming a real boy. That's like the whole point of Pinocchio. Yes, the point of Pinocchio is is to like, you know, you know, he, and it's the whole nose growing thing. Yeah, that, you lie and your nose grows. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember him always becoming a, a real boy. So I'm on the ride, and it gets the end. And the last time we see Pinocchio, he's still a puppet. Yeah, and I was so confused. Like other rides, will, they didn't want to spoil the ending. Like, other rides will cut out the the dark part of the story. Like you go to the Little Mermaid ride, mm-hmm. and there's absolutely no reference to the climax, which, to what I recall, is Prince Eric literally steering the mast of a ship through Ursula. They just skip over that part because yes. it's kind of horrifically graphic. Well, it's actually in the background. Oh, Stromboli! That's the big. Okay, sorry. So the first part of Pinocchio is he's. Uh, because that's when he's in the cage in the beginning. Yeah. Is he's hired by Stromboli to be part of his, like, circus. Okay. Um, and then he escapes from Stromboli, and Honest John and Gideon the Cat take him to Pleasure Island. That's the island of Lost Boys. Even worse. Oh, yeah. Even Where he worse. meets Lampwick, who is the, the hooligan he befriends and plays pool with. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then and then the rest makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't make I just, sense. I, I thought it was very strange they cut out the part where like it has a happy ending. Yeah. It's a little fucking puppet at the end. Mm-hmm. Any God. Anyways. Have you, re- have you been on the Snow White ride? The Snow White Darks. Uh, yeah, but that they show like they they reference the dwarves 
knocking the rock onto the yeah. Though they, they they don't show it, but they they make reference to it mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, I think they see. I think you see them pushing it, but yeah, it doesn't like that's fall. right. Mm-hmm. All those old rides in Fantasyland are pretty fucking dark, except for Peter Pan. Peter well, Pan. Yeah, I mean, Peter Pan's be... pretty light and upbeat. Yeah. Except well, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with Peter Pan though. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Let's, let's not get into that. But the rest of those rides are really t- like I mean I love them. Like mm-hmm. I love Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, but it literally yeah. ends with you in hell. Yes, and I love it. Don't realize that as a kid, as your daughter, you're like, yeah, this fits. Yeah. This works. Oh, yeah. I, I do. It is nice and cozy here. Yeah. Already? I thought I had a few more years. <laughs> um, what were we talking Oh, uh, April Moon? April, April, little April showers. If, oh, that's right. That's where we yeah. got. That's where that tangent worked. Uh, so we, we uh, Batman is talking to the doctor, and we find out that he uh, has programmed fa- uh, vocal fail-safes yes. into all of the armor. It's a password. Yes. It'll take him out. Little April showers. Yes. In that high-pitched voice. April showers, bang my flowers. Yes. Uh, and so the goons show up to where the doctor is, a little tuffle with Batman. A tuffle? Uh, yeah. That's, is that's like the a, word, right? You mean a tussle? Tussle. That's the one. <laughs> no, is, they, that, they, they, is, that a, is that a combination of tussle and ruffle? I was going to say truffle. Truffle, they're, okay. They tussle over a truffle. Yes, absolutely. And they're wearing ruffled shirts. Yes. We're eating bads of ruffles. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A kerfuffle? That's what I was going for. There That's what I meant go. to go get. A kerfuffle. Batman runs away, but he does not because he follows the goons uh, who are also being followed by the doctor. This is just a bad episode. So bad. And then we find out that the nurse slash fiance slash wife. Wife. It is wife. wife. Okay. They got married. Uh, is actually in on the con. Um, and she's the girlfriend of Bullwhip. Yes. Uh, and so then a fight ensues, and Batman so seductively whispers Blue Moon into April all Moon, of the, April Moon <laughs> into all of the crevices where, where the armor is. Can I don't we, know why he can't. wait. What? Why are we rephrasing this as he whispers <laughs> it into the crevices? He's not whispering into crevices. Like he whispers it at the guy with buzzsaw, yeah, but why and then he, he falls just apart. Yell it. I mean, to knock, to knock out all of them at once. Like it was so unsettling to see him just go April Moon, and I'm like, just say it. Why does it have to be quiet? Also, I feel like he used the same tone of voice for all three. It almost feels like they somehow lost every other recording of him singing April Moon. They had one of yes of Will just like casually warming up and saying the phrase, just mm-hmm. rolling around his mouth. He used to say the words. Like, That's well, all we got. We're yeah, gonna go with he, it. He always said Blue Moon by accident, yeah. and no one corrected him. Sorry, guys. Sounds- I get it. It's not. It's not Blue Moon. Yeah, it's April Moon. I'll get it one of these days. They got one good take out of him. Yes. But yeah, he whispers it to all of them, but all their, their shit shuts down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't just shut down. It, like, falls off of them. Yeah, like, it's a full-on... It doesn't just stop. It, it like, like, they actually break apart. Yeah. It's like a catastrophic failure. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a full-on mechanical failure. And then Bullwhip and April get away, as does the Doctor. And it ends on a really kind of horrible note. Yeah, the do- I mean, I think they, I think they were setting up the doctor to be like a, you know, I think this is going to be his origin. Oh no, I don't think they had any plans for him to come back. I think that was just like the punctuation mark on his story. Okay. I, I, yeah, I could see it as both because what ends up happening is Terry's kind of, kind of upset. He's like, I didn't go after the doctor, but my heart wasn't in it because you know, the doctor had learned mm-hmm. that his wife had set him up, but she didn't realize it. Neither she nor Bullwhip realized it. Yeah. And, so Bruce is like, oh, well, you know, maybe he will come back at some point to kind of do something about it. And the last thing we see is Bullwhip uh, in 
getting in for surgery and the doctor is like don't worry i'll take good care of you and like holding down a power drill yeah they, they get zooms in into the, yeah. into the camera so this whole episode is about a guy who becomes a murderer yes and bruce and terry basically sanction it yeah so they understand heartbreak my my question is who's the villain in all of this are we supposed to society chris <laughs> society is the villain I mean, yes, this is true, especially in Gotham. But, like, who are we supposed to sympathize with anyone in this? Are you supposed to feel bad for the doctor? Like, my issue is that they just took the fian- the wife and made her the most shallow, manipulative, femme fatale character with no depth whatsoever. I don't she, she didn't get a name, does she? Oh, April. Yes, April, sorry, no. yes. <laughs> like, she, she's the titular <laughs> character, in fact. Oh, excuse and me. But they don't give her... Like, she doesn't have any other motivation other than just fucking over this doctor. Exactly. Like, she, all she's doing is ruining some guy's life because she's in love with this other guy. Mm-hmm. And that is just, like, this horrible trope that you see happen all the time. Yeah. And I get that this was written in, like, 2001. As we'll see in the next episode, there are plenty oh, of, man, like, so points to, to make that episode. reference. But it, it actually really bothered me that that's where they went. Because the... Doctor is now, by the end of it, he's not sympathetic because it turns him into a murderer and he decides he's going to, like, kill the people that wronged him, which means that not only is he going to kill the bullwhip, mm-hmm. but he's probably going to go and kill his wife, Yeah, too. So they have taken this character. He's, and, he's the reverse Mr. Freeze. Yeah, basically. Like, they've taken the, the, the character of the wife and made her completely shallow without any depth and then they've also basically set her up to be the victim of domestic violence and at the same time the writers are sort of kind of justifying that fact i wouldn't say justifying but but more of just but like we have spent we have spent the episode learning why this guy is probably gonna go kill his wife so like that's not a point of sympathy necessarily but like we we get if you will his motivation Mm -hmm. we get no sort of motivation from her whatsoever no she's just a bad person yeah. Sometimes people are just bad, Chris. But it's horrible. Yeah. It's really problematic. Yeah. I don't know. This really upset me. Life's not fair, Chris. It's like really, really upset me. Uh, I think I've brought this up on the podcast before, but I'm bringing it up again because I love talking about it. There's This reminds me a lot of the villains from uh, the Crimson Chin comic in Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, okay. Like the bronze kneecap. Yes. And, I do remember that um, See if you didn't remember. Because it's all of the, the puns. The, uh, like the, iron, the iron lung? Yep, iron lung. Iron lung, the bronze kneecap. I feel like there's something elbow? The knuckles? Fist? No, what do you... Brass knuckles. Bra- oh, damn mm-hmm. it. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're all right there. It's, um, if I remember correctly, it's... Uh, I don't remember there being an elbow. It's the iron lung, the the brass knuckles, the bronze kneecap, um, the the titanium toenail. That's yeah. Uh, and then there's the what's the last one? The copper cranium. That's the one. Oh man, these are so. Oh, the the gilded arches. I forgot that one. Oh yeah, the titanium. These are so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I fucking love this, these villains because they're they're known as the body of evil. Which yes. is so fucking good. Like, yes. I give I give Botarman so much props for this for this fucking character. I mean, that show Cincinnati. I forgot that was the fucking name of the city. And also the fact that it's all voiced by Jay Leno just makes it that yeah. much better. Uh, yeah, it reminds me a lot of them, where it's just like the the generic people with, with weird powers. Yeah, 
because uh, like buzz saws for knees is is very specific. It is. That, that's a it, very unique. It seems like it would just be more problematic than anything else. I feel like it, it totally would. Yeah. Because that that's a painful surgery. Like everyone else, just seems like it was like an add on. Like you can you can get the whip just added on top of your wrist. Yeah. You can get like you know the 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 juggernaut character the the armor kind of came over him. Yeah. Even the the fisticuff the fisticuffs guy, it yeah it came from like a basically like the blue beetle thing on his back. On his back. But the knees like. He had a full knee replacement for that. Yeah. Like, he couldn't walk when yeah, he, they broke. He didn't have appendages. He, he was a quadriplegic. He didn't have legs below, or from starting above the knee. Yeah. And then he probably didn't have arms from, I would say, at least the elbows down. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, so all those other characters have names. There's not in the show. His name was Knee Jerk. Of course it was. Yes. <laughs> Was that his real name or his, his villain name? They don't give him... I don't know if he has a normal villain okay. name. Um, one, of, one of them... The other one's is voiced by Ethan Embry. And the other one was voiced by Johnny Galecki. Which is so crazy. <laughs> See weird things. I don't know. I This episode really upset me. I did not like it. It was just terrible. Yeah, this one Hor- doesn't have a lot of... Horrible character work. Really, really dated characterization. Um, very unpleasant. Yes. Very unpleasant episode. Weird, weird music. I just, mm. But the next episode. I mean, I can see. I had so much fun with this episode. It's fun. I think it's so, this is, I mean, so dumb. This is Ready Player One. It <laughs> is. It's based on the plot of Ready Player One. Yeah. More or less. Because the whole, it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. It's all it is. And is uh, Star Last Wars. Starfighter. Yeah. And it's Star Wars right from the beginning. My first note is, oh, so it's Star Wars. <laughs> oh, mine was, oh, it's the last, I was more excited. I said, the last Starfighter exclamation point. Yeah. Like, we knew that was going to be the case right from the title, Centuries of the Lost Cosmos. Yes. It's right there. And yeah, the opening scene is them clearly playing a VR video game. So it's uh, Terry and Max and this other guy, Corey. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look like future samurai with flame swords. And they're being chased by things that look vaguely-ish like TIE Fighters. I, I, what I appreciated is um, the whatever they were flying on is, is reminiscent of the New Gods. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot methods. of New God stuff in there, which yeah. kind of makes sense. I really appreciated that. Because I forgot that we'd seen them already in Superman. So that's it makes sense had. that they've already kind of had that concept art ready. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of... It, it is every VR game you always see, which is if you stop and think logically about how that would actually work as a game, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, because he just turns around and flies back, Corey, because he's like the best, what's the game called? Centuries the Lost Cosmos player yeah. ever. He just flips back around, dodges the lasers, and cuts the fighter in half with his sword. And you're like, that's probably not how that game would work. I don't think they would have hey, designed hey, it. Hey, 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 hey. You can't, you can't. Go into the into the the writings of VR games like that. That's my whole point. VR games are very limited in what you can actually do. But this is the future, Chris. Mm. Can you tell by their outdated Star Wars reference? God damn it! It's not just there's a Star Wars reference. There's a straight up Jar Jar joke in this episode, I know. and I fucking love it. I know. Now I will say this did surprise me because when we meet Corey, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be the bad guy. We've basically seen this character before. He's the kid who's overly obsessed with the video game. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened in the last, the first VR episode, the Spellbinder one. Mm-hmm. And he even kind of looks like him a little bit. He's like the sunken face, and he just, he just looks dodgy. Yes. And I assumed he was going to become the villain. So I was, 
I guess technically. No, I mean I think surprised. the the lawsuit had had ended at this point in in court that video game violence causes real violence. People still believe that. Oh, I know, but there was there was a whole lawsuit. Against, I know, I remember. Uh, uh, who makes Mortal Kombat? Not Konami. I don't know. Whoever makes Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there you know their response to it because that's I think the biggest like middle finger you can possibly give them. Uh, so you had fatalities yeah. in the first game, and I think Mortal Kombat three they included the friendship ending. Oh, that's right. The reverse the friendship order. ending was so much fun. Yeah, if you did the reverse of the fatality, you got. Oh yeah, because that had like multiple fatalities, had brutalities, had animalities, uh, baby talities, baby talities, yeah, and friendship. Friendship. Mm-hmm. friendship was always pretty fun. Yeah. Um, also, let's be honest. It's not necessarily video games because, I mean, video games you're just killing people left and right, but. I'd say video games more often explore the consequences of violence. Like the actual blood is there. Frankly, part of the problem is movies Mm -hmm. because for whatever reason, like God forbid we have any sort of violence in anything PG 13. So we're just going to pretend there's no blood whenever you get fucking shot or stabbed. Yeah. And also the, it's, it's the super, the superhuman effect in film of you can see someone fall five stories and get up. Yeah. I mean, that happens in this show a lot too. Well, yeah. I mean, that's animation though. That's why I think there's such a problem with converting um, Batman from animation to live action, Mm -hmm. especially if you want to do it as close to animation as possible, is if if you saw these fight scenes in real movies, they are violent. Like, they are bloody. Yeah, I mean, look at Phantasm. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's where, like, a lot of people are upset with, with Titans. I mean, I was upset with Titans for being that graphic, but when you look back on it, like... Those are moves that we see Dick Grayson doing. Yeah. Well, I think the problem was it was it wasn't necessarily that it was graphic, is that it was gratuitous. Yes. And on top of that, it was uh, it, it the was cinematography sort of, focused on the wrong parts. Yeah. It it it, ne- it was glorifying it mm-hmm. a lot of the time too, or like it was kind of glorifying, also kind of pointing out that it's really terrible. But it just never actually went down the, the path of going, like, this is problematic. It was just like, oh, let's just say it's problematic, but not actually deal with the problems of it. Yes. Terrible fucking show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so bad. So, so Corey gets a email from a guy named Simon something. I forgot, I forgot to write his last name down. I was going to say, say Simon Trent. That is not. Uh, who is the creator of, of the game, Centuries of the Last Cosmos. Simon Harper. Thank you. Of course, it's Harper. Um, why is it? Why is it? Course at Harper. If, if you were caught up with Young Justice, you would know. I am trying. <laughs> Do you? You know how busy I am. Yeah. Fucking moving. Oh man, it must be so hard spending two days at Disney. Oh, what a pain. It was two fullies. You know what? Off air. <laughs> off air. I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna make you even more mad at me. So. Did you go to Club Thirty Thirty? Yes. Fuck you. I'm fucking done with the podcast. <laughs> Piece of shit. You know, and Cameron, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about what you have to say right now. Cameron, having been Chris, <laughs> Chris, I don't give a fuck what you have. Like, this isn't me playing a joke. This isn't a character anymore. This is Cameron just mad at you for not fucking telling me you're going to Club Thirty Three again. Well, I, I don't care. I couldn't. I don't care. I couldn't Chris, bring you, Chris. I don't care. Chris, you know, <laughs> I don't care. You know what I will, Chris. What I will Chris, say. I'm not going to say it again. I don't fucking care what you have to say to me right now. 
They go to Sentry Loft, <laughs> which is the same fucking thing as Skywalker Ranch. What a great reference. Uh, the head of the company is basically like, oh, yeah, this game, I, I am the, the head of the game. Do what I say because it's real. Fuck you. God, I can't fucking believe you. What, what I was going to say, though, is having now been three times. Fuck off, Chris. I, I, I don't fucking care. I think the magic, I'm tired of this shit. I think the magic is kind of worn off a little Fuck bit. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Chris. In your fucking pretentious bullshit. God, don't, don't fucking, don't, don't you dare fucking open your mouth right now. Honestly, don't <laughs> fucking talk to me right now, Chris. I really, I really just prefer. Chris, I'm going to fucking car they circle at this point. <laughs> oh, God, he's throwing plastic gourds at me. Yes. Oh, Where to go? I, step up. I don't give a fuck. Uh, so he, he, the head of the, Simon, uh, it's Harper, Simon Harper, Simon Harper, Corey, Corey is there and there's two other players that are supposed to be the three best players in Gotham. I have a big problem with this. Because if you're the best player, you know everything about that fucking game. Yeah. Uh, and when they walk in, they're like, oh, I think this is from this. I'm like, oh, no, if you're a good 2000s nerd and you don't know every goddamn fact about, that while you're, about what you're playing, you're a goddamn poser. Well, they had to prove that Corey was the best of all of them. Yes. Because apparently he knew that it was a very obscure thing, even though it clearly it wasn't. Mm-hmm. What I also love in that moment is, I guess, no, it's not there. But later on... Batman breaks into that same room with all the stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And Simon has set up the world's most destructive little security robots. Yes. And in the process of Batman being there, destroys everything in the room. Yeah, he's got to go to the evidence. But that's not evidence. I know. That's just his stuff that he's obsessed with. Mm -hmm. Like, that all probably would have been crazy expensive to build. And he just... Well, he's about to get all that money back. That's true. (laughs) But what what upset me even more is when they're doing the fight in... Patton Oswalt's office or uh, apartment. Oh, yeah. And they're blowing up his shit. Because yeah. that's when I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, shooting his own shit. Yes. And at one point he does That made his, me more upset. He's like, oh, no, my research. I'm like, dude, you were just shooting at this thing yeah. on your own. You just shot down your own Godzilla or makeshift oh, Godzilla. Oh, yeah. It looked more like Reptar, actually. Yeah. Fuck you. God, what? Fuck you. I'm so fucking mad at you. Uh, yeah. Um, um also, I love that when we meet Simon, he's dressed as a Jedi, but also he's an Australian Jedi. Yes. I'm not sure yeah, why. I mean, we, we, have, we have a single British Jedi. Obi-Wan? So I guess two now, yeah. Obi-Wan and now Rey. Oh, yeah, she's British. But she's not a Jedi, is she? I mean, in training. I don't think she's going to be a Jedi. These are the whole point is that the Jedi are That's gone. That's true, the last like, Jedi, she's, yeah. yeah. she's like this weird gray space. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but I was excited because like, I recognized that voice. I mean, well, the I finally looked him up, and the voice of Simon Harper is the voice of Jake, who's the Australian mouse in The Rescuers Down Under. That's right, which I did not know when you said that. Yeah, it's that's a really good movie. It is. It's great. Like, I mean, it's it's the forgotten Renaissance film. Yeah, because I mean, I, you've talked about this before that it was such a flop that Disney didn't make another theatrical animated sequel until Wreck It Ralph. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I honestly, I think. I don't think it was that big of a flop. But I, mean, I thought it was. I thought it was like a huge flop. That's why they never did it again. So they only did directed well, I think video directed, sequels. I think they were just so much cheaper to make. Yeah, I guess that's um, probably true. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Because when, you, when it wasn't theatrical, they could use their B-team. That's true. But I mean, it's a shame, though, because that movie... <clears throat> I, I mean, I prefer it to oh, yeah, the original yeah. Rescuers. <clears throat> yeah, might. the original Rescuers made $170 million, Rescuers Down Under made $48. Like, it's not good. Yeah. It's not, yeah, that's a pretty big drop-off. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, also, a big a, time gap between those, right? I mean, the first Rescuers yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, both films are 70s, 18 80s. years apart. Yeah, it's, that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you wait that long? Yeah. I mean, it's still so good, though. Wait, is it, was, no, that's not right. The first Rescuers was 1978, yeah. so 12 years. Okay, but still, it's a long time. And then Wreck It Ralph was nine, eight. First Wreck It Ralph was 2011, so that would be seven eight, years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah. But also, Rescuers and Under has uh, George C. Scott as McLeach. That's right. Who's a fantastic villain. So fantastic. I much rather wish I had watched The Rescue Stand <laughs> Under than this episode of Batman. Um, but so Simon tricks all the players into going and basically being his minions, doing his dirty work. So the first thing he does is have them go and fuck up the Hall of Records. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That alone should be an obvious sign there's a problem. I couldn't figure out what the plot, or what, like what was what was the villainous act. I mean, what the villainous act was, like what the purpose of it all was. I mean, I guess he was just trying to destroy any. Well, I know now, but yeah. while, like, while watching it, I'm like, they they all they all felt very separate from each other. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's like part of the mystery mm-hmm. of it all. But the bigger problem in this episode is the entire Gotham Hall of Records gets destroyed. Yeah, like there's a lot of real important shit in there, mm-hmm. all gone. I th- here, here's here's my theory, Chris. Mm-hmm. I think Batman. I think Bruce had been waiting for this moment for someone else to attack the Hall of Records because he couldn't do it. Yeah, like he he's been in there enough where he's kind of like there, iffy. Or, there's know, enough of like a loose trail. Yes, to get back to him. So I think he's had this. I think he's had like dynamite set up in there for years, <laughs> just waiting. It, it goes up. It yeah. I mean, even in Gotham, where like. Every building is made of explosives. A fucking pillow factory could blow up. Yes. This place goes up real fast. I, I feel like... Because they, they just wanted to blow up the one that one little bit. That one file, but they yes. just they, they take out a whole bunch of it. And I guess a gas line breaks, and that's part of the reason it goes up. That's what Bruce says. That's what Bruce says. But I'll, legitimately... I, think, I, I do think Bruce is behind... Because, you know, Alfred usually does the dirty work. That's true. He's the one that, that blows up. He's the one that hires the villains and everything. Go and do all the cleanup work. Yeah, gets them out of uh, Arkham, I, so Bruce has something to do. I think... This episode actually has the most significant consequences for the city of Gotham of any Batman Beyond episode. Yeah. Because, like, every other thing that happens, like, the, the villainous plot is thwarted. Arguably, the consequences of the plot, like, the tangential damage, the collateral damage, is more problematic than the original plot itself. Yes. Because otherwise, it's just going to be one guy dying versus the entire Gotham Hall of Records getting destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is in that building. Well, you know what I think this is an ep- you know what I think this episode is? This mm. is a PSA. This is the early 2000s. This is a PSA to back up all your shit That's true. on a hard drive. Back up those hard drives. <laughs> yeah. Store them in crazy places. Command S, everyone. Or control S, everyone. Save, save that shit. Save that shit. Mm-hmm. We would have a... Uh, when, I was in, when I was still in art school, uh, you would usually have someone yell out like every hour or so. Just be like, hey, everyone save your shit. Uh, yeah. Just like, because I mean, you forget if you're there yeah, long especially enough. Especially if you're on like an older computer, you on know. With, in Photoshop or Illustrator or After Effects or anything. Yeah. Um, if that shit crashes, you're done. Yeah. Like, I, like we've had, I had friends lose whole hard drives, and and like lose an entire day of work and, and weeks of work because they just they don't like no one saves. Yeah. And it's it's always just like it's a problem. It's so heartbreaking when you just like, hear the cries from the corner. Where it's like, what's going on? And like spinning wheel of death uh, and you're like no oh no it's 2 a.m the project's oh, due no. at 8 in the morning 
So that's the real message of this episode, guys. Yes. It's it's save, save your stuff. Yeah, also, back up everything. Also, don't let video games control your life. Yes. Because that's basically what, like, the little closing line of this episode is basically about that. Well, I, was, I wanted the joke to be, like, because uh, Bruce does say, like, people take video games too seriously or something like that. Yeah. I really wanted them to just, like, turn around and turn the TV on. <laughs> and yeah. Just, like, it's like, all right, but hey. Yeah, just find a show. And it's like, this is amazing. <laughs> I think that would have been too meta. I think it would have been a bit, talking about it. A bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the second the second act that the 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 new sentries have to do is they're hired to kidnap slash kill uh, this guy named Giddy. No, not Giddy. Elden, Elden Michaels. Elden Michaels, voiced by a young Patton Oswalt, which is perfect amazing. Ca- perfect casting. Uh, who is visually based off of the famous '90s blogger, now uh, besmirched name uh yeah. harry knowles uh we, we would call him he'd be classified as what an alleged sexual predator right yes okay uh harry knowles most famous into the bin. for um hmm? into the bin yes yeah uh most famous for his cameo in uh fanboys oh great fucking movie that is a great, great movie. fucking movie um and he had his own film Festival. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, called the Butt Numathon, which I think I've talked about on the podcast. You mentioned it before because you yes. really wanted to go. I wanted to go, and now, and now you can't. Um, but yes, uh, visually, he's based very clearly off of Harry Knowles. Uh, the sentries show up and they uh, kind of just destroy his apartment, kidnap kidnap Patton Oswalt, bring him to the Emperor, or bring him to Simon, who now has the powers of the Emperor. Yeah, he's got like electric gauntlets or whatever. Yeah, but he just put the hood up on his. Australian Jedi robe. Yes. It's like, take that, might. Uh, yeah. I, I got mean, you. It's, 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 like, it's very clearly it. Like, I'm honestly surprised there wasn't a giant pit for him to be thrown know, down right? or for something to fall down. I, I think yeah, that's my problem this episode is that it's, we see a lot of Star Wars references all throughout the DCAU. Mm-hmm. We see it happen time and time again, but usually it's a little bit more subtle. It's like a little reference, but this whole thing is just a giant ripoff on it. And done in those clunky ways. Like, to your point, they even have a joke about Jar Jar. So they're acknowledging that Star yeah, Wars it's, exists. It's, it's not that, yeah, it's not that it's a joke about Jar or Star Wars. It's they literally say Jar Jar in the episode. Well, and it's also done in a very condescending way because Max and Terry suspect that Corey is involved in the break in at Hall of Records. And so yes. Terry wants to get more information about Corey's trip to go see Simon Harper at his house. And he's like, oh, come on, man. That must have been super cool. It's like, oh, are you even a fan? Like, oh, come on, man. Of course I'm a fan. I mean, that's like saying, is Jar Jar lame? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I squealed. It was it's just so, it's so ham-fisted. Uh, I was also surprised that, like, Corey's riding around a pretty sweet motorcycle. Oh, yeah. I was, I was, I was like, very where, impressed where with that. Where did that come from? Oh, like, awesome. What? I was like, I thought he'd just be like this nerd type. I guess nerds can be cool. That's no, not true. No, not, not back then. It's also not in this world nerds can't be cool. Because right. we get to, um, what's his name? Eldon's house, Eldon's like loft oh, in this weird abandoned house. warehouse. And it's just covered in bookshelves, layered in books. And he's got like that Godzilla thing there. Mm-hmm. And he's got a little robot that looks like B9 from Lost in Space. Or Alpha from Power Rangers. Or it looks like B9 from Lost in Space. And it makes a Star Trek sound when he picks it up. Yeah. Um, or the, uh, oh God, it's, it's the Young Justice episode. Um, it's when they fight the champion of the universe. I don't think, I don't know if it's, I think it's season two. Okay. I'm only just starting out on season two. Yes. So I may have seen it all once before, but mm-hmm. I've forgotten most of it. I forgot a lot of that show, actually. It's so good. 
Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Season yeah. three, I mean, we're going to talk about it soon. Yeah. But season three just hit its mid-season finale. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fucking pumped for it. Yeah. At uh, least this time it's coming back. Yes. Oh, so. thank God. Woo. Uh, I yeah, I'm, I'm trying to rapidly catch up as much as I can. Uh, I, I, we're not going to talk too much about it yet because you clearly haven't caught up. And I, I didn't mean to come off as condescending as I did. Um, How dare you? <laughs> fuck you, Cameron. Don't fuck even you. fucking dare. Don't even try to compare to the rage I'm feeling right now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, for people who haven't seen season three, and if you're like, you should never be on the fence with the show because the show is like, it, it's excellent. It, it's still amazing. It's excellent. Um, they they definitely tried to adult it a little bit more in this okay. season, but not nearly as much as like Titans or anything. Yeah, it's Ooh. still amazing. Um, and this season feels so much more like uh, JLU, okay. where it's just there's so many people now. It's another time jump. It's two more years in the future. I don't, don't, don't tell me anything. Okay, sorry. I don't want to hear anything. There's so many people. That's all I'm gonna say. It looks like there's a lot of people. I've so seen, many I've people. Seen stills that yes. have been coming out for the last few weeks, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to get there as fast as I can because yeah. that show is so good. God, I'm like one of my one of my favorite underrated characters is in it, and I'm so, I was okay. fu- fucking pumped to see him. Cannot wait. Or it. Um, maybe not be a person. Cannot wait, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then this episode though goes full on him emperoring Terry. I legitimately thought it was going to be like a full recreation of that scene of like all of like Corey looking at the emperor, looking at Batman, yeah, looking at the emperor, looking at Batman, and then going over and taking it. <laughs> it didn't go quite that far, but it got pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um. It's yeah, I don't know. I just thought the whole thing was kind of dumb. Love Patton Oswalt's performance, though. Love yes, that. I mean, of course, because it's fucking Patton Oswalt. Yeah, but it, so the end of it though, they're talking about how they these nerds now need something new to obsess over. It's they show up at Eldon's house, yeah, Eldon's house, mm-hmm. and they have the the script because that's the whole thing is that he actually wrote the game and um, Simon was basically going to cheat him out of any sort of appropriate dues mm-hmm. it's actually very similar to the um if, if you're, you're so, so smart yeah why aren't you rich yeah but it's like these guys now need something new to obsess over it's so they go to him and i think that was also part of my problem is maybe the the twofer of these two episodes it's just kind of like i don't know it seems like it's being really mean to sad people who share <laughs> Like people who have kind of like sad aspects of their life, and those aspects are often shared by people who have this sort of obsessive fandom for something like a Batman animated I don't show. Know what you're talking about? I mean, it's just like I can't it, even fathom it, what they're dealing it with. It feels right now. like they're trying to kick their own fans. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just I, I not think it's cool with that. I think it's more of like because I think this is like a, a mini punch, like the convention people. Yeah. Of like, because it, it is the people who come up and they they are the like. Well, at, at minute 42 of episode 16, you have so-and-so in the background of the shot, but they're yeah. not introduced until this episode at this point. Like, like, can you explain what they're doing in between that time? Yeah. Like, they're, they're definitely... Like, have you met those fans before? A little bit here and there. I, I met one. They're difficult. They're, they're insane. They are, but... And it's so funny. But I think there's different ways of addressing that, though. You look at something like Galaxy Quest... Mm-hmm. which has that sort of crazy obsessed fan with Justin Long's character. Yeah. But he ends up becoming a hero in one of the shows. I mean, yes, he's vindicated for believing that a science fiction show is real, which is not the best thing. But he's an actual real character with his own story going on there. Mm-hmm. And he well, is... Well, they also have 
an hour and a half to tell that compared well, to 20 minutes. I know, but you see that there or um, or even fanboys. Again, it's a movie, but it actually treats the characters with like real sympathy. And I think any time the DCU in general has tried to make a commentary on their own fans, it's mostly been mean-spirited. Yes. I mean, even the Simon Trent episode, the, the Great Ghost episode, the villain there is like the obsessive toy collector. It, it is Bruce Timm. It's Bruce Timm. And the, so, I mean, there they're kind of poking fun at Bruce Timm, but really they're... Still poking well, fun I think at their the own difference, fans. I think the difference is with Galaxy Quest and Fanboys is it was written by a fan. Like that wasn't well, like George Lucas didn't write Fanboys. Well, if no. he did, I think it'd be incredibly different. It would be very oh, and, and like uh, very masturbatory. Yeah, and like uh, Bradbury didn't write Galaxy Quest, but if he did, wait, sorry, no, Roddenberry, Roddenberry. Sorry, I think you're thinking you. of Ray Bradbury. I am who wrote Fahrenheit 9/11. Yes. Because it's also the one. Fahrenheit yeah, yeah. Love is Michael Moore. Exactly. Come on, Chris. We're almost through. Come on. <laughs> so I'm trying. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think. Uh, I, yeah, I think the biggest difference is like these are fans writing those, but whereas this is the creators writing. But at the same time, you know, these creators they're fans of this stuff too. I mean, they love Star Wars. That's why they did an whole episode on it. That's why yes. they're constantly throwing in references there. They also they love Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that's part of my problem is that you feel like a lot of these guys might be kind of those personas a little bit. Like, they mm-hmm. probably went to, I don't know all of them, to be perfectly honest, but you imagine that a lot of them maybe went to Comic-Con when it was actually, like, real about comics when they were younger, and they watched the Batman TV show, and they've loved all this stuff, and they are those kind of fans. Yeah. And well, I think, I think I mean, I think it is just, like, what side of, I mean, I, I understand they are nerds, but they see the other side of the industry more. Like, they see more rabid fans and they see themselves as those characters now. I, and I get that, mm-hmm. but it just seems like they are being mean to the people who are keeping their shows going and mm-hmm. love their shows. Cause I think, did you ever watch con man? Cause no. that's what I compare this to. No, I want most. to at some point. Yeah. Cause that's Alan Tudyk. That's you. Yeah. No. Phone ringing. It's, I'm not in, on I'm silent. not. It actually is on do not disturb. So really because the table is vibrating. <laughs> Just looking for anything, anything to say at this point. Yeah. Put me down. Um, what was I? Uh, uh, yeah. So, so uh, con man, if you, if for people who don't know the show, highly, highly recommend it. It's so much fun. Yeah. But it's Alan Tudyk. Um, playing basically himself. Yes. Playing, playing himself with his uh, co- uh, cast members from Firefly. Yeah. Uh, where it's basically there on a show that only lasted a season and uh, one of the actors made it huge, still played by Nathan Fillion, and it's him just going through the convention circuit, dealing with the hardcore fans uh, in the same way he dealt with the brown coats and still continues to deal yeah. with the brown coats. Um, oh, did you see the brilliant 10-year challenge that Nathan Fillion did? Yes. Yeah, where <laughs> the, the left side was a picture of That's Firefly, yeah. and the right side was nothing. Mm-hmm. So am I doing this wrong? Oh, God, Nathan Fillion. What a great man. I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Con Man shows both sides of that, where they are fans, um, but they're also, but he's also seen the dark side of it. Yeah. Where like every storyline in Con Man, he's like, is based off a real event he's dealt with. Yeah. Uh, which it's, it's kind of sad, but also like, you know. But I, I don't know, it, I, th- I feel like we 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 are obsessive fans, but we're normal for the most part. Uh, Compare comparatively. I'm not gonna make such claims. 
I mean, I look around this apartment and I, I, I still feel like on like if I, I always see the spectrum of, of the Comic-Con goer. And yeah, whenever I <clears throat> whenever I feel like I'm leaning too far to the over obsessed, try and bring it back a little bit. I have to admit over the weekend, I I at some some points I basically had to explain Disney fandom to my parents. I had to explain what Disney bounding was because like why are these people dressed up this way? And I tried to explain it to it, and I I did it in a way that was like <clears throat> recognizing what the people are trying to do. They're trying to express their love and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I did find myself like trying to not be defensive. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like I'm tiptoeing towards one of those fans, but not so far. Um, I like to think that we have at least a little bit of self awareness. Yeah, not a lot. Also, I did see a guy today who was literally wearing a, like, Luigi's tire hat. He's basically wearing, like, a donut on his head. And it's just like, dude, and he's wearing, like, these horrible high socks and cargo shorts. I'm just like, man, just, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm so glad that you love what you love, but really, just look in a mirror. Yeah. Just look in a fucking mirror. Oh, God, I've become one of those people that's mean to fans. Damn right you have. <laughs> And maybe someone else is there to like reel you back in. It's so much easier. I, I am this show. Um, any other any other thoughts on? Uh, I think. Oh, the the score. I wanted to talk about that for. A oh yeah, second. the score is interesting. It's because it it feels very similar to Btos. It's Btossy. <clears throat> it's got a lot of Star Wars in there. A lot of a lot Star of, Wars homage. Um, I f- I felt it was just all of John Williams because there was a moment. Yeah. That, oh yeah. yeah. Um, oddly placed is when they're fighting the Emperor. Uh, they're playing like a remixed Superman score. I don't even notice that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I noticed the like the like the three note or the four note like that bump it up bump. Okay, and I'm like, but it was in like the Batman key. Oh, okay, and I'm like, this is interesting. interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, the score the score is is worth. Yeah, I don't for. I don't know if it's um. Hey, let me clear my search for Coheed and Cambria on Spotify. <laughs> let me see. I, I doubt that Batman the, Beyond. <clears throat> Mm, that doesn't look like it. Yeah. Um, Too bad. That'd be cool if they had um, the Batman Beyond scores on there. Mm-hmm. They had the Beatles scores on there. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say. Oh, uh, no, I don't, have to go, don't have to go into Nintendo Sega. I was going to do a comparison oh. between this and the Nintendo Sega. But I don't know enough about that that dispute to <clears throat> really dive into it as deep as I want to. Okay. That is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what, what do you have to, to plug this week? Uh, well, real quick, a couple... Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. A uh, couple notes of notes from friends. From friends. Um, we, since we have run kind of long, we'll maybe save this for another time. But after the announcement of uh, Justice League vs. The Fatal Five, you and I were talking about how excited we are because it's like probably going to be set in the same canon. And we acknowledge that, from at least from my perspective, I consider Batman and Harley Quinn part of the canon. And good old Matty Washburn was basically saying, like, hey, thanks for backing me on this because he's kind of like this, not lone voice, but he's a very <laughs> emphatic that he considers it canon. I guess a lot of people don't. Yeah. And I was going to open up a broader conversation about whether we want to consider it canon or not, but given that we haven't seen it in a while and we've run long, maybe we'll save that for another time. Yeah. Um, and then I have just one other quick shout out. It's to uh, Bryce Lee, who uh, listens to this. He's written to us before, and he also uh, now started listening to Gay Ford. Oh, nice. So, thanks, Bryce. Way to plug your own shit, Chris. <laughs> I am just acknowledging someone who is kind enough to like write to me to say that he was listening to another podcast that I do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be so mean to me, Cameron. I'm fuming right now. Well, I'm just going to delete Club 33 from my list of bat plugs. Fuck you. <laughs> God, I'm going to fucking strangle you with this goddamn cord. No, that wasn't one of my bat plugs. Um, but as I was driving down to Disneyland this weekend, because I left on Friday night, which is a terrible idea, 
uh, I was listening to The Greatest Showman Reimagined, Reimagined mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting idea. They basically took the songs from the movie and had it covered by a number of like fairly well-known artists. Well, they did that with Hamilton as well. Oh, that's right, they did. I'm, I'm sure someone did it before, but I think Hamilton was like... They were one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like um, my, uh, Panic! at the Disco, Pink, Kesha, Pentatonix, Zach Brown Band, yep. um, Sarah Bareilles, Probably love. Kelly Clarkson. God, I love her so much. Yeah, they're good. Like, all the songs are good. I think... I, I don't think I'm going to end up listening to them a lot, because for me, they're just not quite as good as the originals and I've also listened to the originals quite a bit yes same but it's, it's an interesting idea and I thought it was really well done and I I'm just happy anytime I see that movie getting any sort of recognition because it's it's good it's really good actually mm-hmm. I mean, well the music's great I, I rewatched the movie uh this week uh, this past week actually yeah. um it, it's still it's still great yeah I, I think in terms of original musical songs that's one of the best soundtracks mm-hmm. that's come out and in just a the long whole time. like production of the like the choreography and just the yeah yeah everything around the songs is so unbelievable yeah and like it's just every time i listen to that soundtrack i feel like there's a song i'm probably gonna want to skip and i never skip any of them like no. they're all really catchy mm-hmm. really really catchy now yeah. i have one complaint though i have one complaint about that soundtrack which is that the, the million dreams reprise what yeah, that's a little unnecessary. Yeah. The million that, dreams surprise. That mm-hmm. But no, it's um, the opening song. This is the greatest show. Yes. Uh, it also includes it's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. But it also includes the, the end of the film mm-hmm. when it's Zac Efron taking over. Mm-hmm. And what bothers me is because they combine the two bookends of it into the opening song. When you get to the end of the soundtrack, it just ends after um, from this time on or from this point on or whatever. And we don't go back From to... Zion is the business. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't go back to The Greatest Show, which is part of the reason the movie feels so good is it has that, like, big number at the end and kind of, like, re-energizes things. It has this, like, upbeat, climactic moment. And then yeah. that's not part of the soundtrack. It's the same reason why I really hate the only released version of the Batman Begins soundtrack, which is that it doesn't have the end credits, which is, like, one of the best moments of that entire movie is when he, like, comes out the building, he, flo- like, swoops down, deploys the cape, and then it cuts to, like, the bum, 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 like, that whole mm-hmm. theme. And it's not on the soundtrack, and it really pisses me off because I'm always waiting for that beat. Oh, man. Why does it feel like to be let down I, I, by yeah. one that you trust so much? <laughs> I rest my case. Yeah. Um, oh, I actually did have one other plug, uh, which is that it's a couple weeks old now at this point, but I just finished reading it, and The Hollywood Reporter did a really nice article about the making of Mask of the Phantasm. Okay. Because uh, it had its 25th anniversary mm-hmm. around Christmas, actually on Christmas. And there's nothing new or like, you know, revelatory. Is that the right word? Revolutionary. Revolutionary. Like, no, revealing. Oh. Like it, it's, uh, like a, it's an adjective for it's something that would cause a revelation. Is that revelatory? Well, sure, we'll go with that. It's going to bother me. Um, there's nothing new or super interesting there, but it's just, it's a nice article. It kind of goes into why the casting was so important, why it was such a big deal that they basically made the thing in eight months and they went mm-hmm. from being a direct-to-video movie to a theatrical movie and how it wasn't a box office success. And there's a, a nice little story in there about Mark Hamill going to see the in theaters on opening day and there's like no one there, Aww. but a handful of fans and they were really excited about it and they excited to see him. And he basically was like, hey, like everyone come like come sit up in the middle with us. He basically like invited all the fans to like surround him and his family to watch it together. Cause mm-hmm. Mark Hamill is just like the nicest man on the planet. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's the argument of like why voice actors are, I think the best cross of the two worlds. Cause yeah. it's, you're only going to be known by 
the fans you want to talk to. Yeah, and it, people recognize you and have a real specific appreciation for it. If you're a voice actor, no one's going to stop you because you're famous. They're going to yeah. stop you because they appreciate your work. Exactly. I feel like they're the hockey players of the entertainment world. <laughs> sure. Um, they, did you ever watch the, the documentary, I Know That Voice? No. There's a, a great moment in there where it's the, I, I just, I don't remember his name right now, but it's the voice of uh, Yakko from uh, Animaniacs. Uh, uh, Rob Paulson? Uh, Wacko then, sorry. It's, okay. it's the, yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, wa- yeah, because it's Wacko's wish. Um, Wacko, he, he's kind of a, a bigger guy, long curly hair. Um, oh yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh, Bad but on us. the the story he's telling in the in the doc is he's standing next to a kid. I think they were at like Disney World or something. He's standing next to this kid uh, who's wearing an Animaniac shirt, uh, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna make this kid's day." And he leans down. He's like, "Oh, I like. Do you know who that is on your shirt?" Uh, he's like, "Yeah, that's Wacko." He's like, "That's my voice." And the kid didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. He's like, prove it. And the guy like started to panic. He's like, I've performed in front of like voice talent and, and casting directors. And this is the most nervous I've ever been doing the voice. And he's like, yeah. my voice cracked halfway Aww. through. And the kid just didn't believe me. Didn't believe it. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> the kid probably tells stories that time that one random guy tried to pretend like he was the voice of Wacko. Yeah. What an asshole. Yeah. What a, what a, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a nice it's a nice article about the the movie. It's just you know it, it just talks about what a good movie it is, and and it even acknowledges too that um, I guess years after the movie came out, Siskel and Ebert did a dedicated episode reviewing it because they ignored it when it came out in theaters, hmm. and they came back to them like, oh no, this is like the best Batman movie ever made. Like it's yeah. much better than at the time Batman Forever had just came out. Like it's much better than Batman Forever, which it is, which it is. I mean, but also hang on. At the same time, I will say I think. Uh, Batman Forever does get bonus points for having the, at the time, hottest Batman, hottest live-action Batman. And you, you keep forgetting about Sock Fu. Oh, I never forget about Sock Fu. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> I did. It's the, it's the pinnacle <laughs> of martial arts. I did see another, another tangent. This is something that uh, our friend Jonathan posted on my Facebook, and um, it was, when did you first know you were gay? And then it was a picture of Robin from Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are all my plugs. All right. So <clears throat> um, I'll just throw it out there because we've, we've already briefly talked about it. Uh, Young Justice season three. Oh, just hit yeah. Mid-season, uh, mid-season break. So catch up on that because we're about to start um, Doom Patrol. Uh, starts, are we going to watch uh, that? Two weeks. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I'll watch it. Uh, but my plugs are... There's a movie that was on my summer list that I just completely missed back in the day, back a few months ago, uh, called Izzy Gets a Fuck. Get, Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town. Wait, what is that? It was an indie film. Was that with um, Mackenzie Davis? Okay, no, who I adore. She she was also um, the um, main supporting actress in Tully. Yeah, and she was uh, she's a small role in The Martian. She's going to be the yes. new Terminator in the new Terminator movie. Is she? I fucking yeah. love her. Um, she, she's, she's great. Very quickly moving up my list of favorite actresses. She, yeah, right. She was in *Halt and Catch Fire*. Oh, that's she right. Was yeah. *Blade Runner*. Uh, Easy gets the F across town. Oh, is that, is that Haley Joel Osment? Yes, he what? he has a bit he has a bit part in it. Um, but it's it's just like a super quick movie about a girl who learns her ex boyfriend just got engaged. And so she's trying to get across L.A. 
she's trying to get from Santa Monica to Los Feliz um, without any money or a car. Fucking good luck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to to break up the engagement party, uh, and it's it's re- it's a really cool story. It's one of those where like everything like, you go in knowing nothing about any of the characters, and it just kind of unfolds itself as the movie goes along. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. How was it? It's a, it's a fun watch. Yeah, I recommend it. Um, yeah, it's 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 very LA. Oh well, um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't live in LA won't understand why that's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. But guys, yeah, it's a big getting deal. from Santa Monica to those Felices is a fucking trek. It's yeah, that's like also, eighteen it's, it's miles. Also, it's also Los Feliz. It's whatever. Yeah, just saying. It's like eighteen miles you have to get through. It's what? It's ten? No, no, because from from here to Santa Monica is ten. Okay. Oh, so yeah, it's probably. Oh yeah, actually, eighteen. It's pretty close to eighteen then. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you have a full day to go eighteen miles. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that was a really fun, just like, just really weird. It's on Amazon. Oh, uh, good. Okay. Yeah. If, if you want to stream it. Um, and again, Mackenzie Davis is just such a bombshell of an actress. She's right great. Now. I really like her. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I, I'll plug, um, I'll plug the fire docs cause they're, Oh yeah. They're just a great watch. I've heard good things about both. Uh, so there are two, uh, concurrent fire fest documentaries going on right now one done by hulu which i think is the superior one uh and then one done by netflix okay. which is produced by the production company from firefest so it's a little more oh skewed. it's a more inside yes okay it's, it's more inside and it's more painting themselves as victims the victims yeah of course whereas the hulu one is just is painting anyone who is involved as a vict- is, is a is a uh, is an evil person. Yeah, fuck you, Ja Rule. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he involved? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, Ja Rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both, I, I recommend watching both because they both, they overlap a little bit, but they both have major points of knowledge, that, mm. the points of interest that, that don't really cross over. Okay. Um, and it's just so fun to like learn about a crazy shit show that happened so recently. Yeah. Like, the, like nothing has ever been that blown out of proportion in recent time that yeah. I can think of. Yeah. The only thing that I can that can slightly compare it to is it was a game that came out two years ago now called No Man's Sky. You know about this game? It's, oh, yes. It's a game that, that was took, like, like the game with it was like an infinite expanding universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, a yeah, infinite expanding auto-generated universe mm-hmm. um, that took like eight or ten years to make. It had its own, it had its own GoFundMe or it had a... Um, Kickstarter, but they hit the max amount of donations on Kickstarter. So he made his own donation page on his website, uh, and this this game had millions of dollars behind it. It was the most hyped game for years, mm-hmm. uh, and then it came out and it was just everyone fucking hated it. <laughs> uh, of course, yeah, and that, that's the closest thing I compare, can compare it to. Yeah, but not nearly as entertaining because people didn't spend thousands of dollars on that game. Well, some like of them maybe did. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, some people who donated did. Yeah, but oh, just 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 watch the fire documentaries. There, you you'll feel better about yourself. Okay, watching those. I, I feel like it's really easy shot in front of Target for me because hell on earth for me would be having to go to a music festival. Mm-hmm. I've done Outside Lands before up in oh, San Francisco. Well, I, I'll, I'll save you the details. No music is played at this festival. Well, I know, I know that, <laughs> yeah. I know that. But it's like going to one 
sounds horrible. And I just have like, I mean, I have friends that go to these sort of things, but there's always some part of me that has like this disdain for like the Coachella person, like the person you look at them like, oh, cool, you fucking love Coachella. Yeah. Um, like the uh, like ninety percent of LA people in Kingsman, the Golden Circle, the the girl he has to pick up at the music festival who calls herself oh, like yeah. Earth Basket yeah, or whatever. Like, like, like it's it's kind of yeah. one of those people. That I'm just like I kind of hate you, mm-hmm. and I feel like this whole thing was basically fucking over those kind of people. Yes, it it absolutely was. Now that's I'm, kind of the the joke. I'm thing, like the joke about it is like if it was any other, excuse me, if it was any other group of people. They it were it this, would be tragic. Yes. But this, no one would make a joke about it. It would be. But this seems yeah. justified. Mm-hmm. Oh, like some horrible person. No, no. I mean, everyone was making fun of this. Yeah, I know. Because like, they, they, they show all the talk shows talking about it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of fucking hilarious. Yeah. Hannibal Burris had a whole set about it. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just very fun. All right. I, I, I do want to sit down and watch those at some point. Mm-hmm. But first, I got to get through Young Justice. Yes, you do. Because we've got to talk about that. I you just really want to watch the new stuff, and it's driving me nuts. Because, mm-hmm. like, the, I feel like the moratorium for people kind of casually spoiling things is starting to pass, starting especially to... the early stuff. Yeah. It's like, fuck, I got, and I just can't escape it. Cause... Well, I mean, the thing is, there's nothing really to spoil yet. Okay. Because, like I said before, it's very JLU-based. Okay. Where well, every episode is is its own story. And it makes me feel slightly better, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to... Uh, mm-hmm. Got to get there. Yes. You can do it as fast as I can. There, there's a new character that I love, and I don't think you're going to like this character. Great. So I'm excited to talk about that. Cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Hot button topic. Mm-hmm. Let's spark yet another one of our famous arguments. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's all I got to talk about. Well, if you want to uh, reach out to the podcast and share your thoughts if you on, the, go air, to Club on the Air Bud franchise. Yeah, if you want to go to Club 33, then fuck you, because Chris won't bring you. You can find us at Jim Talkbot on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Um, I am at Lordifer on uh, Twitter and Instagram, where you will not find any photos of me going to Club 33, because I yeah. actually wasn't planning on saying anything. God, I fucking hate you so much At right least, now. okay, hang on. Chris, hang, Chris, hang on. Chris, I don't. I'm not going to say it again. I don't fucking care. All right. Well, just finish the goddamn podcast. Okay. Uh, this, is, this is real rage. You have to know that. This is not staged rage. I know, but I can't talk to you about it. We're still fucking recording. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, Cameron, where, where can they find you to join you in your rage? Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find it at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my uh, other Disney adventures and adventures of the sort, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Am I allowed to keep talking? Yes. Okay. You're allowed to finish. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.